This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have another one of our HITS instructors with us. I have Claire Rayburn here. And instead of me going to, going over her uh, background, I'll just uh, let her tell about it herself. Uh, Claire has taught for us several times at HITS. She's one of our vendors with uh, TrueScent, uh, which is a, a training aid for explosive dogs. We'll talk a little bit about that. And she's got a pretty diverse background with detection dogs. So brought her on here today to kind of talk about all things detection dogs and uh, some training and uh, a little bit of everything. So without uh, holding up anymore, Claire, how are you today? I'm doing great. And I want to thank you so much for inviting us to speak. And um, it, it's quite an honor. We enjoy going to HITS every year. And this is a great little opportunity, uh, I think, to take training up a notch. And I think that's what it's all about. Um, I was a special agent with ATF for 25 and a half years. And the last 12 of that, I worked in explosives detection canine. I did ATF's Train the Trainer program. And then when I retired, um, I uh, started doing a little work for TrueScent. I'd actually been with ATF when um, TrueScent was tested and some stuff by the government. And so I had some, was comfortable with the knowledge and, the, and, and their science behind it all was very sound. So I felt good about that. And then I got totally crazy. And um, as my bomb dog friends say, I went to the dark side and learned how to work uh-huh. a narcotics detection dog. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, ATF uses uh, food reward, Jeff. So um, I, yeah. you know, and quite honestly, I throw like a girl and spent more time beating the poor dog in the back of the head than I did <laughs> trying to get that reward in. But I have a narcotics dog and I do some school searches with uh, him. And, and that's kind of where I am now. Outstanding. So you have just a one dog right now? No, I have my retired ATF dog also. Um, she's 12 and a half and she uh, gets jealous every once in a while that the big dude gets to uh, work. And so I throw out a little true scent for her and, and she thinks she's a hot dog all over again. And, and that's kind of, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> but. You know what? They, ne- they never, they never want to quit working and they never uh, forget the odors or anything. So I've had, I've had several retired dogs myself and it's always fun to take them to work one extra day when they're after they've retired, see what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. She, 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 she likes the game. <laughs> yeah. So. so let's talk real briefly about TrueScent. Can you just kind of, in a nutshell, explain what it is for people who aren't familiar with it? Sure. So TrueScent is an explosives canine training aid. I think what makes it unique, Jeff, is that um, it was created for the United States Air Force. The Air Force said um, years ago at the beginning of the war, hey, we need TATP and HMTD, the peroxide explosives. We need HME odors that our dogs can train on safely and not have our guys trying to transport stuff that's not safe around bases and and that type of thing. But we do not want a pseudo scent. So Signature Scientists is the parent company and they uh, developed TrueScent as part of the bid. They won that bid. And then that went so well that they said, okay, let's develop a whole line. So um, we now have uh, encompassed the families of explosives. I know not everybody uses that um, terminology, Jeff, but 
I've found it very, ATF taught it to me and my chemists are comfortable with it. Um, and I found it very useful. I actually went back and set up my training logs so that I had my explosives grouped into the families of explosives. And it's just a group or a category with, you know, and so that kind of helped me at the end of a month, I could say, wow, I was a little shy training in this area. Maybe I need to step it up a notch and pay a little more attention to which needs I'm putting out. Yeah, and, and I've actually been fortunate. I've trained with uh, the ATF quite a bit here in our training group, and um, I, I agree with you. I like the the idea of talking about families of explosives. I learned it from the ATF here, so I think that actually be a great thing to you know, if you don't mind, maybe explain it for the listeners who are unfamiliar with it, just to briefly explain. Yeah. So what the chemists, yeah, what the chemists have done, Jeff, is that they've um, grouped the different explosives into. Uh, categories. Each of those categories has likes and similarities. So the concept that's out there, at least what I was trained with, was that if a dog can find, you know, two or three odors from each group, category, family, whatever you want to call it, of explosives, then it can find everything within that group because of the likes and similarities of that. So um, that means that even though there's thousands of explosives compositions, we, of course, don't have thousands of explosives compositions to train with. And this gives us a better way that we can um, look and see what we've got. So, you know, not everybody, most... most people don't have nitroglycerin to chain with, but we know that double base smokeless powder has nitroglycerin in it. So we can train our dogs with that, which is very stable and safe to use. And at the same time, we're training on nitroglycerin, even though there's multiple odors in that. Yeah. And I think it really, it, especially when you train a new dog, for me, it makes it a lot easier to kind of keep track of where you're at and what odor you want to move to next. And and for your training progression, it sure makes it a lot a lot easier to, for me to keep track. I, I agree. And I think it also um, gives us a basis, you know, because I know people get pretty much the new thing and what everybody worries the most about, and, and rightfully so, is going to be the homemade explosives. HME is, you know, I don't know in your experience, but I'm very close to Fort Hood. And in my career with ATFs, I mean, I can't say that we didn't have a few grenades walk off the base, but um, I can say that (laughs) I was never called to look for bricks of C4 or, you know, or chunks of Semtex or, you know, that's so what is it that we're going to find as an explosives canine handler? You're going to find a pipe bomb. Statistically, you're going to find a pipe bomb or you're going to find homemade explosives. Um, Those are so much more readily available and and people can get to them. So. Yep, exactly. So on the, the uh, true scent, obviously we don't do infomercials here, but I think it's good to know um, if, if I was using that product, like I've done the, the imprinting with the ATF and I've done it with the FBI where you're imprinting on real TATP and real uh, HMTD and, and it's a gram. Uh, so on the true scent, where does the, is it, can you simulate you know, a pound or so of it where it might be a, give the dog a little uh, bit different picture? Yeah, I don't think that we could, we can't get our scent picture up that high. You'd have to have 
a bazillion packets. Well, not a bazillion. You have to have a bunch. Let's put it that way. (laughs) So um, I think that um, until recently, a couple of current events, previously, Jeff, we've all been in the position of believing that the uh, HME was going to be used as an initiator to the explosives Mm -hmm. train, that it wasn't going to be, you know, the final. Yes. So now we've had one or two incidents where, you know, there's been large quantities of that. So people are having to change their game a little bit and some things like that. But um, the nice thing about the true scent is that it's not a pseudo scent. So the difference between a pseudo scent and true scent is that a pseudo scent has something from the scent picture. However, it does not have any real explosives. So if you think about C4 for a second, we know that there's plasticizers, there's RDX, there's filler, just like any explosive, and um, tagants. Okay, so in uh-huh. true scent, you would not, you wouldn't, you would be training on RDX. So um, on a pseudo scent, you would actually be training on something else from the scent picture, but not the explosives themselves. There's no okay. explosives in that. So that's okay. kind of the difference between the two. And I think people get very, very confused about those kinds of things. So um, that's kind of how true scent got developed and how, and why it's sure. been used. But I think the other thing that's important about all of this, Jeff, is using our time wisely. So let me just jump in real quick. I just want to do uh, mention that I think there's value in whether you use real odors, whether you use true scent, whether you use uh, pseudo scent. I think there's some value in all of them. And I know there's a lot of agencies that for different reasons are using different things. And um, I just didn't want to, I don't want to have anybody say that maybe there's uh, the, the, this podcast is against one or the other. Cause I think there's, there's definite value in using all different, types of it and for whatever your agency's working. I've heard some of the horror stories um, where people say that they can't use pseudoscent on drug dogs or something. I haven't seen it. There's no case law that says it. I've seen dogs that use pseudoscent and they go out and find real stuff just fine. So I just wanted to jump in there real quick. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just wanted to uh, uh, mention that as, as, far right. as, as far as I'm concerned, I think all three have a place. No, no worries. I, I think that... Um for me, my background is with ATF, so they have very strong beliefs about certain things like that, and that that's where I the you know that's where that's who raised me basically, Jeff. Sure. So, sure. but at the same time, I will say if anybody is anywhere close when FBI or ATF is bringing out, um, they the chemists are coming out and doing uh, an odor recognition test. They're bringing out TATP, HMTD, urea nitrate. Then you know, you need to convince your bosses that you need the time to go do that. Because I think Absolutely. we all got to remember that, you know, we're on the other end of that leash. And so yep. um, it's important to have it on it. The one thing that I will say um, that I like about the true scent is that you do have the opportunity after you go out with ATF or the FBI or whatever, which 
you would with a pseudo also, um, to go out and do more practical exercise type stuff. Jeff. And I think that that is very important, um, putting it out because if you're a guy that does cars all day long, then you need to make those cars productive with, you know, some HME. If you're a school guy, you need to make sure that, or girl, you need to make sure that, you know, you've got that, um, out there for your dogs. Yeah. So that they're finding I, I it in the environment that they work in. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. So let's talk a little bit about training. You, know, you have some really good ideas that we were going to kind of share with people about uh, training. And well, being thanks. I don't know that I'm the most creative person in the world, but things that I've run into and, and I've learned a lot from other people as I go along. Um, and I think the biggest thing is that we, a lot of people, Wednesday's the only time they get to train. To train, and we've got to make what little time we've got productive. And I sure. think that we all need to, as much as technology and as crazy as the world has become, we've got to take our dogs up a notch. So for me. You know, I, I think we need to have a plan. It's not, you know, you need to look at it and and maybe you can't schedule out a year's worth of ideas and stuff, but you can sure sit down and say, okay, my goal for this month is going to be blah, blah, blah. You know, this is what I want to try to accomplish and then kind of tailor and work it towards that. Um, One guy gave me the idea. He said um, that his training group got together and they all sat down and talked about, okay, who has had a strange or unusual call out or who has had something that they and their dog didn't really know how to approach or kind of flew by the seat of their pants to be successful and or struggled with something. And then they as a group kind of discussed, okay, so for the next, you know, two months of training, we're going to work on these two or three ideas and, and tailor our training around that. And I thought that was really smart. So, You know, and I, I'm not sure what you do, but I know it gets hard. Everybody has other responsibilities yeah. and, and other things that cut into our training time and, and stuff like that. So if we aren't setting goals and we just show up on Wednesday and are like, what are we going to do today? <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't know that we get as much out of our time as we really should. No. Yeah, you're exactly right. And one of the things I do with uh, from the – from when I first start with a new handler, when I'm training a team, is I I talk about you know training with a purpose and that like with a detection dog, um, I tell them when you set out a hide, you know, and I question them a lot of times with it that if they put out a hide, why did you put it there? What is the reason? What are you you know what are we accomplishing? Because I don't want to get in the habit of walking down throwing something in a desk drawer and so we can write down on a on a training sheet that we use this odor and we found it in a desk drawer. So I I. I start from the very early part of training that, you know, every hide should mean something and there should be some thought process behind every single hide. And I've found that when you set that up early on with a a person when they're starting this career, that two, three years later, it's so ingrained in them that um, I think generally the training ends up being a little bit better because their, their, their thought process always is, you know, if I'm going to train, I'm going to make it worthwhile. I'm going to put something behind it. Exactly. So, you know, um, a weird story. I um, was uh, 
tasked with putting together um, the dogs for the Breeders' Cup many years ago that was going to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And in uh, I knew we were going to have multiple teams up there, so I went up ahead of time and looked at it and came back and realized my dog's never seen a horse. <laughs> and so, uh, nor had it been in stables and things like that. And so, I made a bunch of calls around the Austin area and conned a couple people with a, a patch and a and you know a challenge coin yeah. and some stuff <laughs> to let me come <laughs> in and put out some hides so that I could have my dog in that type of an environment smelling those kinds of smells and the dog was working great and the next thing I know a horse sticks its head out of the stall and my dog goes up on his rear legs and sniffing the horse and the horse is sniffing my dog everything's good and then the horse snorts and you'd have thought that <laughs> that poor dog about came out of its fur. <laughs> so, but, you know, those are the kinds of things um, that I think come to mind. I mean, over the years, I realized that um, uh, criminals um, often are um, staying in or hiding in a mobile home. <laughs> and so yeah. I realized that, um, you know what? my dog's got to be able to go under that mobile home and, and work under there. Um, once I've kind of made sure we don't have skunks or snakes, um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so you've got to stop and think about that. Is your dog, have you made that kind of an area productive? If you haven't made it productive, what's, how do you know your dog will go under there? Yeah, Exactly. So, um, I, I think that there's things like that. And I, I to this day, um, the drug dog guys that I train with on Wednesday nights are great. And they talk to, um, one of the, um, homeowners out here in, uh, San Marcos, Texas, and then another one in Austin. And they've been really good about letting us go in and, and do hides and work the dogs. And it, it, part of it is us getting outside of our comfort zone and asking sure. venues to let us in. Yeah. And I like the idea of, uh, using, you know, I've used, I've used, I've volunteered my own house many times for whether it was patrol dog or detection dog, it, it doesn't matter. You know, I just figure if it's a new dog that's never been in my house, and we're training a team or something like that. It, what a great way to, to train a dog because of the odors and stuff. So I agree. If you can get them in real environments, that's absolutely crucial. Yeah. Um, some of the um, manufactured homes in this area actually have models set up in them. And so there's furniture. So the other thing that it, it's more realistic for the handler to suddenly have to be maneuvering around and targeting areas that are cluttered with furniture. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I really like that. And, and that's been good. We have quite a few schools who have been good to us and things like that too. But like you said, anytime you can get out in environments um, that are going to be your bread and butter, then you are so much more confident with that dog. And I think that confidence goes down the leash very much oh sure then the dog starts believing every, it's not just on training day it's every day he gets to go find something Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I had another friend who, um, I'm lucky in Texas, in Austin, it's not like we're in a snow zone, <laughs> so we don't get a lot of snow down here. Yeah. But, um, you know, yeah. I've had friends in the Midwest, and 
Um, they got called out, you know, in the middle of ice storms. They got called out to, you know, bar ditches on the side of the road. Um, you know, the guy ran through the woods and, and now they're in suddenly in yeah. snow and stuff. Have you worked with your dog in those kinds of environments? Yeah. So it's not, you know, you almost, Jeff, can break it down into, okay, venues that I end up out in a lot or that my dog has struggled with environments. Have I trained in all of the environments? I'm not saying any of us wants to go out in a sleet storm, but at the same time, you know, have we looked at all the environments that sure. we might be called out sure. in? I think we also, when we were talking about doing this podcast, we talked a little bit about training aids. Yeah. Um, and I think that something for me, that's important is just like you talked, we talked about goals is have we made all the different areas that our dog might have to go in a tight, narrow hallway, uh, a deep, dark spot? Have we made those sure. things productive to draw that dog into it? Have we put a training aid down there so that the dog wants to go down and, and be successful and it brings up their confidence and then and kind of drawn them in? Um, I think that large, medium, and small hides especially with explosives, you need to be varying those um, amounts. And, um, you know, debt cord is always my favorite when I get somebody who has 100 feet of debt cord in a roll and has never cut the ends off of it. Yeah. Is, is the dog really, Jeff, at that point, yeah. <laughs> finding the plastic covering of the debt cord and, and that or is it finding the core explosives in the dead cord? Yeah, I, I agree. So, and and then I think that um, moving a dog from shallow hides to deeper hides, that's something that has to be done incrementally over some time. And so have we taken time to do that and, and keep increasing the dog in that way? Yeah, basically challenging the dog uh, mm -hmm. over that time. Well, and you and I both know the dogs, um, the dogs have to be challenged. It has to be fun. It's got to be a game. And if it's the same old thing, it's Wednesday. Oh my gosh, we got a school, throw two aids in a locker, throw two aids in a desk yep. drawer and let's be done with this and go to dinner. It's kind of like, uh, was that really yeah. the challenge for the dog? <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and you see that unfortunately, but, uh, I think these types of, uh, trainings that we're doing here today i think if we put something in people's minds just to, to think about it. i mean it doesn't have to be I, i'll take a hour worth of training where there's two or three really thought out hides not not necessarily super difficult but just reasons right. behind them over three hours of 12 hides all in desk drawers and lockers or easy hides where they just throw stuff out and you do 10 minute searches before you, you find each one of them you know yeah. i don't think there's a lot of value there I would agree with you on that. And the other thing that I think that, um, I, and I don't know in, I don't know drug dogs nearly as well, Jeff, as I understood explosives, but the explosives part of it is, are we proofing our dogs off of the containers and the things that um, become part of that scent picture sure. with our dogs, you know, and I, I don't, see as much of that as I think I should see personally. Um, I no, can't I, tell I you 
is it something you've encountered? No, I was going to say I agree with the same thing. I, I mean, I think uh, in, myself included, I think we could always do more more proofing, always. Well, and when you said that about the um, a couple of hides over a longer extended period, I think that you can work into that proofing at the same time. So imagine sure. that you do have a school. Go ahead and put um, fresh, clean Ziploc bags from a – uh, that you've just opened that have never been in the trunk of your car or around any of your explosives. Put two or three of those in a locker. Another locker, put a couple of pairs of uh, gloves that you've just taken out of a brand new box that's also not been around your explosives. Yeah. Um, and some of those kinds of, uh, of things, you know, those great um, magnets that uh, Ray Allen has that uh, with the little sliding yeah. boxes with the holes. Have you kept... Yeah have you kept one of those that's clean and never had anything in it and put it out to make sure that you aren't imprinting your dog on some of that, that you're proofing them off of it. Um, I think those are all things, you know, I see guys that have little um, plastic containers like um, the little Ziploc containers and stuff like that. And the little plastic ones, then tubs and they'll put them out and that's fantastic. I've done the same thing, but, have we made sure that the dog isn't interested in that, you know, that when it's empty sure. and yep, if I you agree. do some of the, if you hide some of those things, just like you would your, um, aids, then that gives you extends your search and you know that that room's blank. And if your dog is interested in anything in it, you know that you need to do additional proofing and, and that kind of thing. I, say a bunch of us have glove dogs because we put our little gloves on and grab our aids and (laughs) yep absolutely i think very much but and that actually brings to mind something that i think you and i are on the same page on but i but i think you're gonna know obviously a lot of people aren't uh wearing gloves for your training aids uh i know that atf's big on that i'm big on it but can you just touch on that a little bit well yeah i cringe when i see people not really makes me bonkers but um yeah i'm a little bonkers anyway so you know but um number one it's not healthy for you to be grabbing your explosives for your personal health many of them (laughs) shouldn't be things that you're you're grabbing and stuff like that um and that that's the first thing then number two for me on that is we know how great our dogs are and do we really think that our dog doesn't know what we smell like so yep. you've now put your scent on your training aid and it's become part of your scent picture. So over time, is your dog really finding you or is your dog really finding this C4? Yeah. Or any just human odor. I have a, a dog that uh, when I got him, he had quite a bit of prior training and the handler uh, that, that the trainer that had him for probably a month or two, he didn't wear gloves. To this day, I still have to proof him regularly off. You know, I can take I can take your car keys out, and I have to proof him off that because when he learned the initial game, uh, freshly handled items were part of that initial game, and it's strongly wow. imprinted in a dog. And it's it's difficult. You know, if you if you don't do it right at the beginning, it's always difficult to uh, to get rid of it. You know, and I mean, he's pretty good about it, but I I stay on it all the time because it, I know for a fact that that's a weakness that he has. Well, and it's interesting you say about stay on it. So one of the smartest trainers I ever had 
Pete's comment was, if you will kill yourself with your dog training three, four, five times a week, even if it's only for short periods, for the first year, the bond between your dog, the pattern with you and your dog, you will have a dog that is a joy to work with. If you are lazy and you don't put the time in and you don't work with that dog and keep it challenged and work on your patterns and those things. And that's something we didn't really touch on, Jeff, was uh, pattern. You're going to have a dog that that's going to be a problem child. And Absolutely. I, I got to say that really stuck has stuck with me all this time. So pattern, that's another thing. Um, I know maybe for dope dogs, it's not quite as big a deal, but for a bomb dog, your pattern is everything. So if you aren't reinforcing that pattern every once in a while, you don't teach a dog a pattern when it's a puppy and during imprinting and, and you know, for its first year or two, and then think that it's going to keep a clean pattern for its whole life. You've got to go back and like you're doing a distractor or a, a proofing time, you've got to put that time into working your pattern and going back to your ABCs. Sure. And that kind of goes back to when you set out a hide, there should be a reason for it. And that might be, that might be the reason is, you know, he's cutting corners or I want to make sure that, you know, I haven't worked this, this part of a pattern for a little bit. So I'm going to put some hides over there. Yeah, no. And I love to do that in a school. We did that um, about three weeks ago with the drug dogs that I work with and each room and we just worked our dog, each room had one hide in it and we worked the dogs down the hallway to and worked them around the, the pattern that way. And it was a great day for sure. everybody. We had a lot of fun with it and, um, and it did, it brought up a few things about like cutting corners or um, that type of thing. Well, this is all really good information. We try to keep these around 25 minutes or so. So we're about, about that uh, break point. Um, hopefully you'll have some time. We'll get back on. Maybe we'll get into next time. We'll get into a little bit meatier discussion um, about some some more bomb dog stuff. Because I know you have a lot of experience. So I'd like to pick your brain a little more uh, down the road if, if you have time. We would enjoy that very much. And um, I appreciate you taking the time to let me come and give my put throw my two cents worth in. Because you and I both know the Absolutely. only... The only two things that uh, the uh, the only thing that two canine handlers agree on is that the third guy's doing it wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, and I hope hopefully these forums are starting to change that. I, I don't see that nearly the way I saw it, you know, over twenty years ago when I started doing this. So it seems like uh, people are a little more open minded. And if, if you guys want to hear more from Claire, should be teaching a class. What's the title of your class is going to be? Uh, what it hits. Do you have the title out? I don't have the title. So, I um, yeah. yeah, we're, I, still, I, working I, we're still working on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, we'll come yeah, up I couldn't remember if we'd, if we'd settled on one, but yeah. But, uh, Claire will be in, it hits in Phoenix. Uh, this August 2020 will be in uh, Phoenix. So, if you want to uh, hear more about any, any of these topics, she'll be there along with uh, about 30 other instructors and uh, more than a thousand other handlers for you to network with. So keep watching our webpage, hitscanine.net, hitscanine.net, and you'll start seeing all the instructors are starting to pop up very regularly as we uh, bring them on for next year. So again, Claire, thanks for everything and uh, appreciate it. And I'll see you in a few months and I'll sure I'll talk to you before then and we'll, we'll do a follow-up on this discussion. Great. Thanks for your time, sir. Thank you. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come to HITS 2020. 
there's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come to HITS 2020 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2020 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffle gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there, and we've been there too.